Good morning, ladies. Or should I say good morning, prayer warriors? Because that's what we're becoming, right? Prayer warriors. I love it. We are getting battle ready in our prayer life. And I, like Pastor Ann, I have loved this study. Over the past several weeks, we have learned to and been challenged to pray in ways maybe we never have before. Keeping in mind that we are in a war and we are fighting an enemy. And prayer is not only our weapon, it's our greatest weapon against the enemy because it works. It really works. If you were here um, last Monday night, like Pastor Ann was talking about Jessica, she shared her testimony, and I was so encouraged listening to her. She's been through so much in her life, and yet prayer brought her through. God answered prayers, and it was just such an encouraging testimony. So if you haven't heard it, Go online and you can catch up. Her, her life's testimony kind of proved all the more to me that God is true to his promises and steadfast to, in his love for his children. So it was just really a blessing. Her testimony also reminds us that um, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Amen? We need to remember that, ladies, and tuck it in our heart. It was such a blessing and so uplifting. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes circumstances. Prayer changes people. And most of all, prayer changes us. So it's such an important weapon. Now, um, this may be the first time that you've been encouraged in such a way to pray strategically and journal your prayers. But... It's been so, um, I've loved doing it, and I'm sure you have as well. I've heard so many women over the years say, I don't know where to get started praying, or I don't know how to pray, or I could never pray out loud. And I always tell them the best way to do it is to just do it. You just start doing it. And the more comfortable you become, it will just become part of your life and your lifestyle. When I was a new believer, I used to hear women pray so eloquently, and I was intimidated, I'll be honest with you. But over the years, I've realized that it's not eloquence that God's looking for. It's just an open and transparent heart that he's concerned with. Some of the best prayers I've ever heard come from children because they're not intimidated at all. They'll pray about everything under the sun, and they just pour their hearts out sincerely and openly. And really, that's all God is asking of us as well. That's what he desires. And so the more you pray, the better you will get at it. And I don't know about you, but journaling prayers is really awesome. I have done that over, I haven't been real consistent, but over the years, and to go back and look at prayer journals and things you were praying for and things that God answered prayer on is really a blessing. So maybe it will become a habit for each one of us. Now, I know most of us pray throughout the day. We pray for the traffic and for the car and for Johnny's test and our husband's work. We pray those kind of things. But there are certainly times in our life where we need strategic prayer, precise prayer against the enemy when he, we can see that he's coming against an area in our, our life in way of attack. We need to be ready. We need to pre be prepared to take down the enemy when he rises up. 
So let's pray this morning and offer this time to God. Father, we just thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for this study that you're taking us through and all that we've learned to be women of fervent prayer. I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts now. Help us to put aside busy morning and just hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you got your little notebook, I encourage you to take notes because we go over a lot of scriptures. Most of them will be on the screen. Some of them may not be on the screen. So it, even if you do nothing more than jot down the scriptures, you can always go home and look at them and let them work in your heart. If you're new this morning, like Pastor Ann said, we've been going through this book by Priscilla Shire called Fervent. And I love the su subtitle of the book. It says, A Woman's Battle Plan for Serious, Specific, and Strategic Prayer. So this is getting serious about prayer, you guys. It's really taken us all to a new level. When I think of that word strategic, my mind automatically goes to like military battle. And to be strategic is like to be deliberate, to be pre-planned, to be something that's directed at. And it's prayer with a target or an intended goal or purpose in mind. We know that James 5.17 tells us that the affected fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. It's our greatest weapon, our greatest resource, and as Christian women, it's our ability, we have the ability and the responsibility to pray. I've heard many say over the years, oh man, has it come to this? Do we need to pray now? When the truth is, it has come to this, and you should have prayed a long time ago. Prayer is not something we have to do, it's something that we get to do. And any time, any place regarding any topic. Pastor Ann reminded us last Monday night of 1 Peter 3.12 that tells us the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to that prayer. I heard a pastor describe that once as it's just like the Lord is leaning over to listen to what you have to say. He's attentive to our prayers. So our prayers aren't roaming around cyberspace, and they're not bouncing off the walls, but they're reaching the very ears of God. And that is such a blessing to think of. 1 John 5.15 says, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So there's, that should give us great boldness and great confidence that God not only hears us, but he answers our prayer as well. That's why we've been learning to pray God's word, which is God's will, fervently and intently. But the Bible also warns us in James 4.3 that we can ask and not receive because we ask amiss. And to ask amiss is with the wrong intentions or with the wrong motives or for the wrong reasons. We need to remember that God knows our heart and he knows the intent of our heart. So learning to pray God's word is so important because it will always be his will and his good purpose for our life. 
again, to pray the word, we have to know the word. You can't pray it if you don't know it. So we have to be in the word. And I love after study, we've been able to take time and look up different scriptures that pertain to whatever's going on in our life. We want to train ourselves to do that because God's word has the answer for everything we need for life and godliness. We want to be righteous women of God whose powerful prayers accomplish much. I want to remind you that whether you have the book or not, please don't let that keep you from coming because you'll get something out of each week when you join all these beautiful women and hear his word. So don't let that stop you from coming, but we still encourage you to get the book. I think you can still get it at Hobby Lobby, and I'm sure you can order it online. And the more I get into it, the more I realize that this will be a tool that I will use for years to come. So we encourage you to get it. And it's not that you have to have it, but it would be helpful to you in years to come. The book, again, is just another tool that will strengthen our prayer life. Now, the past several weeks, we have gone to battle or learned to go to battle on things that the enemy attacks, like our passion, our focus, and our identity. And this week, we're going to learn what it means to battle for our families and for those we hold most dear to our heart. Priscilla began the chapter by writing this. She said, if I were your enemy, I'd seek to disintegrate your entire family and destroy every member of it. I'd want to tear away at your trust and unity and turn everyone's love inward on themselves. I would make sure that your family didn't look anything like it was supposed to because then people would look at your Christian marriage and your Christian kids and see they are no different and no stronger than anybody else and that God, underneath it all, really doesn't change a thing. When I read that, I thought, boy, those are pretty heavy words. Disintegrate, destroy, and tear away at our families. That, that reaches us right where we live, doesn't it, ladies? To try and come at our family with words like that. Now, again, we're not to be fearful, but we are to be on guard, aware, and alert of the enemy's tactics. I got such a good word picture of this lately at a teaching that I listened to. My husband and I are kind of history buffs. We our ears always, I think you can learn a lot from history, good and bad, so I always listen up. But this pastor was talking about World War II when the Germans were about to move into in, Russia. And upon this news, when Moscow heard about it, they declared they, that the Germans would never take the city of Moscow. Now you see, they had already built a wall of defense, but to further secure their city, they built a trench in front of the wall. So they were double prepared. They were prepared and then they were double prepared. And the result of that was that the Germans did not take the city of Moscow. You see, their defense was too strong and too secure to penetrate. And Priscilla's title of this chapter this week is your family, and then underneath it, she wrote, fortifying the lives of those we love. 
And I was really kind of intrigued with that word fortify. It literally means to protect, to strengthen, to surround, and to secure. We are to fortify the lives of those we love. As I continued reading about this battle in Moscow, I saw that just before the attack, the German forces had weakened and the Russians had raised to a new level of defense. And I thought, you know, that's just how it is in our spiritual life as well. When we rise up and strengthen our defenses against the enemy, he will weaken. And the Bible says he will even flee. So we want to work. It takes work, and it takes effort, and it takes planning on our part. We need to toughen up and build a strong wall of defense against our family. Recently, our little ones were playing tag out in the yard, and my daughter was sitting out with them, and she said every time four-year-old Elias got tagged, he came to her crying because he didn't want to be it. And so after three times of doing that, she said she took his face and she said, do you want to go lay on your bed and cry for a while, or do you want to get back out there and toughen up? And he thought for just a minute, and then he said, I think I'll go toughen up. And so that's exactly what he did. But you know, I thought as women, when we get tagged with adversities of life, sometimes we want to go lay on our bed and cry for a while. I know I've been there a time or two, but, but you know, I've realized over the years that that's exactly where the enemy wants us to be laying on our bed crying, ineffective, hopeless, helpless accomplishing absolutely nothing, rather than toughening up and getting out there in the power and the strength and the authority that God has given us. He has given us what we need when we get tagged with trials and tribulations that come along in life. We need to encourage each other to toughen up. We need to tell each other, toughen up, because you can do this, right? We've been given everything we need. So let's consider our children first in light of this battle that we're in for our loved ones. The Bible tells us in Psalm 127.3 that our children are a gift or a heritage from the Lord. It says they're a reward from the Lord. Now, I'll be the first to admit that they don't always act like gifts and they don't always act like rewards, but that doesn't change their status in the eyes of God. They are a gift from God. When I looked up that word heritage, it, it means property of or possession of. You see, we often think our children belong to us, but they really belong to the Lord himself. They are his possession, and they're just on loan to us for a short time. So that gives us a great responsibility, doesn't it? Our job, the Bible says in Proverbs 22.6, is to train them up in the way they should go. And then the Bible says when they are older, they will not depart from it. Now, it's easy to look around. And I've sat at several different tables and listened to what some of you are dealing with, especially with teenagers as they get a little bit older, and it's easy to see that our children are under attack more than ever, ever before. I've 
um, I know that they're dealing with peer, peer pressure and bullying. Social media has brought in a whole level of things that they're hooked to 24-7. They are trying to navigate that each and every moment of the day, and they're often turning to drugs and alcohol for relief. It seems like these things are more prevalent than ever before, and like the enemy is after our children, like he has never been. I always like to remind us that it's not the responsibility of the school or the church to train up our children in the way they should go. It's the responsibility of the parents to do that. And we need to start when they're little, 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 training them up in the ways that they should go. It all begins at home. To train them up is not only to dedicate them to the Lord, we know we do that, but we want to teach them the ways of God day in and day out. And we do so as we nurse them, instruct them, discipline them. And then there comes a time where we entrust them into the hands of God. And that's the hardest part of all. I was talking with moms the other day and letting go of our precious children. I remember when my youngest daughter drove away, we were just like baby Aaron's driving. We couldn't believe it. It was like, seems like the time went by so fast. So we want to take every moment we can to train our children in the ways they should go because soon they will step into life on their own. We need to trust God with their care, provision, and this is when our prayers become real specific, real strategic, and we need to be fervent prayer warriors for our children. The principle and promise found in that verse is um, train our children, we do our part, and then it says when they were, are older, they won't depart from it. Now, they might swerve a bit and they might stray off the path. I've seen many do that, but I've also seen many come back to the Lord when they have children of their own because they know the church is the best place for their kids to be. And so we can stand, and I hope that's an encouraging word to many of you, that we train them, they will come back. The truth is we're in a battle for our children, a real war for our children. And our battle plan is to stand strong, to toughen up, and then the devil will be weakened and he will flee. When we strengthen our forces of defense in prayer, his strategies soon get weaker and weaker. Priscilla wrote in this chapter, victories don't happen by accident. And that's so true. They need to be pre-planned and prepared. We have to be positioned, prayed up and uh, for our defense, ready for attacks. First Peter 5.8 reminds us, that the devil roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, if you've ever seen a lion take down animals in wherever they do, they attack the little ones. They go after the little ones first because they're weaker in the... And so that all the more we need to protect our children and fortify our loved ones in prayer. We have some adventurous friends who 
do all kinds of crazy things. But she was telling me one day they were, um, I think they were in Yosemite, but somewhere like that. And they were hiking early in the morning because they wanted to get to a lake to fish. And she said they came around a corner to a mother bear and her two cubs. And she said they froze and then they backed up. And when they did, they came to a boulder and they helped each other up on this boulder. And they just sat and waited for the mom, mom to take the cubs away. And I remember her telling me how the mother bear stood between her and the ba between them and the babies. And she never took her eyes off of them sitting up there. She would eat a little bit and then she would look at him again because she was ready for attack. If they moved or if they made any quick movement, she would have been all over them. And I don't have to tell you guys to be like mother bears with your little ones because we already are, right? It's just born in us to protect and to nurture our children. But have you thought of it in line of praying for our children and keeping our eye on the enemy and our eye on the little ones at all times, ready and alert? The enemy's desire is to take us down, Priscilla said. In Ezekiel 22:30, God spoke to the prophets of Israel saying, I sought a man among you that would make a wall and stand a gap before me. And then he said, but I could find none. We are called to stand the gap for our children. And we don't want that to be said of us, that God could not find anyone to stand the gap. My husband has pictures of all of our children and grandchildren in his office. And above it, he has a plaque from Joshua 24:15, And it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he prays over our kiddos every single day. Now, I tend to go after the bigger issues that I see them dealing with because I'm the mama bear. But he prays general prayers for them. But I think together we are standing the gap for our children. And that's what we're called to do. Um, looking at a closer battle plan to protect our children. I just felt like God dropped these things in my heart and I want to share them with you. This kind of pertains to older children, but you can't start young enough. Um, first of all, keep open communication with your children. And I know that's hard when they're teenagers. A lot of times they don't want to talk to you or especially boys will give you one word answers like yes, no, uh-huh. But keep trying because you can't pray for their needs if you don't know what they are. I used to love to drive in the car with one kid at a time because it was just me and them. And they would open up in ways that they never would before. So we want to know and we want to listen to what's going on in their lives so we can know how to pray fervently. We want to secondly know who their friends are. And the Bible tells us that bad company corrupts good morals. And we know that to be true. Don't be afraid to tell your child, I don't think that person's good for you. Or I don't think you should be hanging around that group. That's our responsibility. That is standing in the gap. And they won't always like it. I can guarantee that. But Jeremiah 29 um, 
11 tells us that God has a purpose and a plan for their life, and we want to keep directing them. We want to, number three, encourage them in their passions and dreams and encourage them to seek out God for their self so that they can be praying about major issues that they're dealing with. When my oldest daughter was 13, she came to my husband and I, and she said, you know, when I have kids, when they're 13, they're going to be able to do whatever they want, because 13-year-olds know what to do. Of course, we got a good laugh out of that, and she and I have had a good laugh out of that when she got a 13-year-old. She realized that wasn't so true then. They don't know everything, and we laugh about it often. So we want to um, train them in the way they should go and towards God's purpose for their life. Number four, we want to learn to trust God with our precious children and stand upon Philippians 1.6 that tells us, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. If God began a good work in your little one, he will be faithful to complete it as they go through rough and bumpy years. We want to trust God and then give the Holy Spirit room to work in our children's life. Often we want to be the Holy Spirit for them, and that's not our role. We want the Holy Spirit to work in their life so that they will learn to trust and depend on God on their own. So moving on, let's see what kind of battle we're in for for our marriage, in our marriage. Anybody ever have a battle in your marriage? Of course we have battles in our marriage. You know, I read, I heard at a, past, at a couple's retreat, I heard this. I always wondered, why does the enemy attack marriages so viciously? Listen to this. Strong marriages build strong families. Strong families build strong churches. Strong churches build strong communities and strong communities build strong nations. When you read that, you can see why the enemy's trying to take us down at every turn. It's staggering, isn't it? I read that marriage and divorce are both common happenings in our world that we live in today. And I'm not gonna deny that going to battle for your marriage is easy. It's not easy. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of consistency on our part. And the first step, I think, is recognizing that the enemy would like nothing more than to divide and destruct what God has put together. We need to set boundaries around our marriage. We need to set safeguards around our marriage and just as we would our children. In this chapter, Priscilla wrote this. She said that marriage was instituted by God to be an object lesson to the world of the relationship of a believer and to him himself. Each of us will play a role in living out that lesson. So in other words, the world unbelievers are looking at our marriages to see what, what it looks like. You know that unbelievers are watching us just because we call ourselves Christians. So they love nothing more than to see if we mess up. We want to realize the role is important to God. Knowing and realizing that our marriages are designed by God and anointed by God for a greater purpose shows us why the devil is out to destroy the union by causing strife, division, conflict, 
often over the smallest of things. We can let the smallest of things snowball into something big before we even know what happened to us. The enemy wants to divide and disconnect. We often get upset over something small our husband said or the way they said it or whatever. I have learned over the years, and I've been married a long time, to just let it go. You know, who knows? They could be in a mood or whatever, but it's not worth making a big deal out of. Just let it go. I always feel so good when I do that. I think, yay, God, look at us. We didn't say anything. <laughs> it's really, when you're obedient to God, it makes you feel good. So we don't want to be ignorant, complacent, or naive regarding the tactics of the enemy, but we want to listen to God and pray for our husbands, pray for our marriages. It's crucial. It's so important. Always remember, ladies, if your love is shattered, God can restore that. And if your trust has been broken, he can repair that as well. And if you feel alone and disconnected, God can reunite your hearts. Never give up because the Bible tells us that all things are possible with God. So you don't want to give up easily. You know, we all go through stuff. Life happens and raising kids can get you derailed for sure for a while. Get, get back on track and don't let the enemy play havoc with your marriage. Three, Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I've heard it said that a successful marriage isn't the union of two perfect people. It's two imperfect people who have learned the value of forgiveness and grace. Danny and I just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary. I know. And they said it wouldn't last. Now, I know some of you aren't even 42 years old yet. So it's a long time. And I'm not going to say that we haven't been through trials and tribulations, because like every marriage, we have. But we have committed our marriage to God, and we are committed to each other. And we are not giving up. We are becoming more aware each and every day of the ploys of the enemy to get in and try and divide us over senseless things. Forgiveness and grace, they go a long, long way in a marriage. And you know what? There are two blessings that God bestows upon us each and every day, several times a day. Forgiveness and grace. We know that grace is showing unmerited, undeserved favor, mercy when we don't even deserve it and forgiveness is the action of letting go of past hurts and past mistakes not bringing them up all the time and reminding each other of what you've done wrong we always need to remember ladies our husbands aren't perfect but we aren't perfect either right we need to remember that we're all a work in progress here forgiving Forgiveness and grace is really only possible through prayer and our intimate relationship with God. He is our perfect example in all things. And I know I am so grateful for the times he showed forgiveness and grace for me. We need to learn to extend that to each other. After we pray, ladies, we want to pray, 
forgive, have grace, and then we want to expect God to move and respond in according to his word and to his will. Remember, in the book, if you've read the chapter, Priscilla did an acronym for prayer, and it says, prayer releases all your eternal resources. So prayer changes things. We never want to underestimate the power of prayer. It shows our reliance and dependence on God and that we acknowledge him for who he is. We want to lay, the Bible says, cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And whatever concerns you concerns him as well. Psalm 138.8 tells us that God will perfect, perfect that which concerns you. That's so comforting to me to know that God's heart, if it's concerning me, it concerns him. Someone, Hudson Taylor wrote that God's work done in God's way, in God's will, will never lack God's supply. So we always want to line up our prayers with the will and the word of God. And remember that he will perfect that which concerns you. Remember, ladies, that your family, your husband, your marriage is worth fighting for. Now, the enemy might tell you that it's not worth fighting for or just give up, walk away. But it is worth fighting for because, again, it's a gift from God, whether you realize it or not. Your greatest treasure and your most precious commodity is your family, those that you love so dearly. When someone I love gives me a gift, every time I look at it, I think of them. But when God gives me a gift, I treasure it and hold it close to my heart. And our families are a gift from God. You know, if God calls you to a task, he will equip you to complete that task. I love the book of Esther, and I'm just going to give you a brief overview. But she was a beautiful young Jewish woman who was chosen to be queen of Persia in a most difficult time of history. When plans were set out to deceive the king and to persuade him to condemn all the Jews to death, word came to Esther. And when she heard of it, she called all the people in the land to prayer. And she ended up stepping up, risking her own life, standing in the gap to save her people. Then, during a banquet, the king asked Esther, what do you desire of me, Esther? And she told him of the evil plot and even named Haman as the culprit. The king was so moved, he immediately ordered Haman to die, and the Jews were guaranteed protection throughout the land. The key scripture in the book of Esther is found in chapter 414 where it says, who knows, her cousin said to her, who knows but that you were called to the kingdom for a time such as this. I give you that brief overview of Esther to say to you that no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what your family dynamics look like at this moment or where your family is with the Lord, God will equip you for the task of being the wife and the mother that he has called you to be to your loved ones. He has placed you where you are for a purpose and a plan, and he has positioned you with the task of caring for those you love. Your life is not 
by happenstance and it's not spiraling, spiraling out of control. You are here for a time such as this, and you've been placed where you are with the people you're with for a purpose and a reason, and God will equip you like he did, Esther, to accomplish that which you have been called to do. When you ask God to help you intervene and help you to be a strong wife and mom, you can be sure he will do it because that's his will for your life. His power will strengthen you. His spirit will lead you. His word will direct you. And most of all, his ear is attentive to your cries. So call out seriously. Call out strategically. Call out specifically for your loved ones. And remember, ladies, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Before we close this morning, I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak to a few specific groups of women. If you're here this morning and you're single, and I'm sure some of you are, whether you're not old enough to be married or maybe been married and divorced, whatever the case may be, if you're single, don't throw all this out the window because God is speaking to you as well. Use your singleness and start praying for your husband right now. I had a friend who made a list of qualities she wanted in a godly man, and she waited till she found him, and God has blessed their marriage richly. Use this time to strive to be the godly woman that that man deserves, that you're praying for. Don't be idle. Be working all those godly traits into your own life because he, if he's a godly man, he deserves a godly woman. So you be that. Um, for those of you that are here who des have desired to have a child but haven't been able to conceive, never give up on God. God is a God of the impossibilities. I was out in the foyer not long ago, and a young mom came up to me, and she said, you probably don't remember me, but you prayed for me 13 years ago at another church to have a baby, and I want you to meet Hannah. And beautiful 12-year-old girl was standing there. It was like the greatest blessing of my life. So don't underestimate prayer. Don't underestimate what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. And then if you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, I have dropped the ball in every way. I have not stood the gap for my family and we are a hot mess and everything is out of order. You know, I want to assure you that God is a God of the past, present, and future. And he's also a God of new beginnings. So it's never too late, never ever too late to start praying for your family, for your marriage, and for your husband. Don't go lay on your bed and cry and think, boy, I've missed it. Because you haven't. You can start right now, right here, praying for those you love. And you will see a turnaround before you know it. I can almost promise that. Start praying God's word. And then I ask you all to tuck the words of Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 in your heart that says, The Lord's compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. So let's pray this morning. And I'm going to share with you my prayer for this week. But I pray that you wrap your heart around a similar prayer.
I wrote this. Heavenly Father, I come to you in awe and wonder, as I always do, for your great love, mercy, and grace upon my life. My heart is full of praises and worship and gratitude for the great blessings that you have bestowed upon my precious family. I praise you, God, not only for who you are, but at all the wonderful things you've done in our life. Your goodness and loving kindness are such a blessing. Thank you, God, that you have promised me in Hebrews 13:5 that you will never leave me or forsake me, not when times are hard and not when times are easy. You will always with me, and I thank you for that. Please forgive me, Lord, for any worry, fret, or anxious thoughts that I've had regarding my family, and help me to heed your word in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that tells me to trust you with all my heart and lean not on my own understandings, but acknowledge you in all my ways, because you will direct my path and the way that I should go. I ask you, Lord, to help me to be a godly wife and mother and grandmother to the precious ones you've put in my life. I pray that my heart will always be open and pliable to the work you want to do in me and through me so that I can be a godly influence and example to those I love so dearly. Your word tells me in Proverbs 4, 23, to guard my heart in all diligence. Lord, show me how to do that daily as I commit all that I am and all that I have to you. I pray for my family. I lift them up to you, God, and I pray they will love you and follow you all the days of their life. Lord, I take the authority that you've given me in Luke 10, 19, over all the power of the enemy regarding my husband, my marriage, my children, and my grandchildren. I come against any attacks that he might try to harm, hurt, or destroy their lives in any way. And I specifically come against any sickness, infirmities, mind games, wrong relationships, bad attitudes, dissension, or misunderstandings that may try to divide and destroy the lives of those I love. I speak health, protection, provision, guidance, and direction over my family. And God, I commit my family to your loving care as I realize them that you love them even more than I do. And from Proverbs 3, 25 and 26, you assure me I do not have to fear sudden danger or attacks of the enemy. For you, Lord, are my confidence and my refuge. And God, you know the desire of my heart is found in 3 John 1, 4 that says it best. My heart has no greater joy than to hear that those I love are walking in the truth. Again, Lord, I offer all that I am and all that I have to you. Amen. And while our eyes are closed this morning, if there's any of you out there that may be thinking, man, I really blew it, or I don't even have a relationship, I'm not even sure what you're talking about, I want to give you an opportunity to come to God, to come into relationship with Him. All we have to do is pray. Again, it's just a simple prayer, but if you wrap your heart around it, God will come into your life and change it as no one else could ever do. So let's all together, ladies, pray this. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I ask you to forgive my sins, Wipe away my past 
and make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.